Good morning. Welcome to worship. We're just so glad you're here. We're going to start off by praising the Lord. Will you stand with us and let's sing together. Praise the Lord, come on, his mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, his mercy is more, amen, what a merciful God we serve. Sing it with us. Here we go. What patience would wait for me constantly. serve an awesome God whose mercy is more than our sins. What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment, his life was the cost. We stood neath the debt we could never afford, right? Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Amen. Here we go. One, two, three. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Sing. 
Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Well, good morning, man. Isn't it amazing that we have a God that despite that our, our sin is great, his mercy is more. His grace, his love, his forgiveness, his kindness toward us is more. Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church. If you're a guest with us, uh, we want you to feel especially welcome. You'll see there in the pew rack in front of you is a little white guest registration card. And if you take just a moment to fill that out, we, we want to get to know you. We want to uh, be able just to tell you about the things that are going on in the life of our church. And you can indicate on there to receive our newsletter. And you can indicate on there to, uh, a ways that we can pray for you. We'd love to be able to pray for you and, and uh, just turn over your concerns, your worries, uh, the stresses, the things that you have going on in your life. We just want to turn those over to the Father and be able to, to give those concerns to Him and then pray uh, to Him. His, His mercy is great. This morning as we continue to worship, we want to take just a moment uh, just to pray. This week I'm sure you've, you've seen the pictures of the destruction that has taken place uh, from the tornadoes last week and, and you know, from Nashville all the way through Cookville. Um, the destruction has, has been incredible. I mean, there was just I mean, pictures that just blew my mind. And so we just want to pray for them. We know there's a number of churches that uh, where congregations are unable to meet this morning because of, of the damage that has been done. Uh, to their church buildings, and many people lost their homes completely and, and their possessions and their things. And so we're going to uh, lift them up in prayer as we continue to worship this morning. Father, as we take just a moment, uh, just to pause, we just say first, thank you that your mercy is great. We are a people that are completely dependent upon you. And we're dependent upon your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. And we just say thank you that you're hand of love and, and grace is, uh, is upon us. Father, we pray for all those who were affected by these tornadoes last week. Uh, God, it, it's just amazing uh, to see that amount of destruction. It just blows our mind to see what can take place in uh, a, a few brief moments. Lord, I, we just want to pray for those families who experienced uh, tragedy of, of the loss of lives. Lord, I, I think there were 24 people or 26 people um, lost their lives. Father, young kids, entire families, Lord, we just pray for them. We, we lift up their extended families, those who are hurting, those who have experienced this loss of other family members. God, we pray that you comfort them now. Give them peace. God, for those who have lost their homes, for churches who have lost their building, God, Father, we just pray that you would work out the details for them to get back in a place of worship together. Lord, we know that we, the people, are the church. The church isn't lost just that building is lost. And so we pray that you, um, just to work out the details and work out those things where they can gather again to worship you. Father, we pray for those families who were affected by it and who have lost everything. God, we pray that you would uh, bring restoration to their lives. God, we thank you that you love us. We pray now that you just would direct our hearts to you, change who we are, help us to love you even more. God, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. God on our side, who, whom shall we fear? Nobody. Let's sing it together. Here we go. You hear me when I call. You are my morning song. Though darkness fills the night, it cannot hide the night. Whom shall I fear? Crush the enemy underneath our feet. 
go between my fingertips. I've hidden in the garden. I've denied you with my very breath. God, I fall down to my knees with a hammer in my hand. You looked at me. Arms open, forgiven, forgiven, child there is freedom from all of it, say goodbye to every sin, you are forgiven. Come on, sing it, church. Oh, here I am, a dead man walking. No grace gonna hold God's people. Through the weight of all our evil. Lifted away, forever free. Who could believe? Who could believe? Forgiven. Forgiven. I love you even when I don't do Lord, we are forgiven this morning. Thank you so much. And Lord, you have made us no longer slaves to sin, no longer slaves, but free in your, in your name we are free. Oh Lord, we come before you this morning just singing our hearts to you, our praise to you, giving you the glory, and thanking you for freeing us from the slave ship that we once had. Let's sing together. You unwrap. 
chosen me Lord, we are your child. We've been liberated. Let us with freedom sing. We've been liberated. Let us all sing freedom song. Come on, sing it. Oh, here we go. Oh, yes, sing it.
Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you so much that we are no longer children of fear. We're no longer children that are, that are cursed to death by sin, but that we have a Savior who has rendered us free from sin, free from the penalty of sin, Lord, free from fear that we can grasp to you and know that you are our Savior in every way of the word, in every meaning of the word. Be with us now as we uh, enter into this time of your message. I pray, Lord, that you'll speak through Dr. Cox and touch our hearts, move our lives in a direction that is pleasing to you, Lord. May we leave this place different because we have experienced you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Glad you're here for worship. I know time change Sunday is a little bit harder to get up and get here, and I'm glad you're here. How many of you think you're here for the 8:30 service? Would you raise your hand? No, don't raise your hand. We don't want you to. We don't want to single you out. But hey, we don't care when you think you're here. We're just glad you're here uh, today. Uh, we began last Wednesday night with our round of CDP classes. Had a great beginning. Cindy and I are leading a new member. Uh, orientation had 26 people there there's still room for others so if you are thinking about becoming a part of our church or you're just interested in what Christianity is about or if you've already joined our church we ask every new member to go through this and uh, so we we'll encourage you to come still time to get involved in that this Wednesday along with those others that are listed there in your worship guide I want to say a word about finish line finish line is our three-year capital campaign. We're asking folks to give above and beyond their regular tithes and offerings to pay off our buildings, our new buildings, and to add new parking. People have been so faithful in this. About a, two months ago, I gave the halfway report. We're at the one-and-a-half-year mark. A couple of months ago, a finish line. I want to share with you a slide that I showed then of how much we owed. On January 5th, we owed 450000 remaining to pay off on our loan. And I told you that every time we crashed through a $100,000 barrier, that I was going to come back and give you an update so we could celebrate. I'm going to get by next time a crashing sound. I need a crashing sound effect. But I want to show you where we are today. Let's look at it. 394703 is what we owe as of the end of February. So we've crashed through that 400000 barrier and we just praise God thank you for your generous and sacrificial giving all glory goes to God and I hope to be back in a few months with another 
crashing report that we've crashed through another $100,000 barrier. So I just want to keep you abreast of that and thank you for your, your faithful giving. We're so glad for what God is doing through you. If you're new with us and you've got extra you want to give, well, we uh, would invite you to share and finish line on your offering envelope. Um, don't give your tithes to that. Give to the first thing that we do is what your tithes go to the work of all of our church. If you want to give extra, boy, that's been such a great blessing. Thank you for that. I'm sharing a series of sermons on the miracles of Jesus, and this month I'm sharing about Jesus' authority over evil, his miracles where he cast out demons from demon-possessed people. If you're new to Christianity and that sounds weird or strange to you, last week I started this part of the series and sort of gave an introduction to demonology, so if you weren't here, you missed that one, you may want to look on our website and look at that sermon there, or you could download our church app, and on your phone you can watch those sermons, uh, our FBC church app, but that'll give you an introduction. A demons are angels that have rebelled. God created everything. He created spiritual be beings, invisible to us most of the time, who are angels who serve Him. Some of them rebelled against Him, led by the devil, or Satan was an angel, and he is now the leader of, the chief of the demons, and other angels who fall to him are called demons, and they're against the purposes of God. And we're seeing that Jesus has authority over that evil. And so today I want to share with you another story of how de Jesus drove out demons, and this is an extreme example. This is a person who was possessed by multiple demons and had devastated almost every area of his life. And... Um, so this is the end game of where Satan wants to take you. This is what demons want to accomplish in your life. I want to give you a four-word summary of this sermon. Here's the takeaway. I know it's time change week. I'm going to help you out. This is what I want you to get today. Four words. Demons destroy. Jesus restores. That sums up what we're going to talk about today. The will of demons is to destroy you the work of Jesus is to restore you. Demons destroy, Jesus restores. Give you an introductory verse that sums this up. It's John 10, 10. John 10, 10, Jesus says the thief, that's what he calls the devil, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. So that's the will of demons in your life. So don't be fooled that you may be enticed to sin that seems fun or seems liberating. It's not. It's enslaving, it's destroying. That's why he's come, to steal, kill, and destroy. But the good news is that Jesus says, I've come that you can have life and have it to the max, to the full, abundantly. Jesus restores. So this verse sort of sums up the story that we're going to read. We're going to read a story that is an example of this truth and this verse today. It's found in Luke 8 and also in Mark 5. And I'm going to refer to both accounts, so I'm going to flip back and forth. If you want to mark your Bible, Luke 8, Mark 5, you can follow with me or you can follow on the screen. But because there are some unique details that are in each gospel account, I'm sort of going to flip back and forth before, between them. Let's begin in Luke 8, verse 26. It says, they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. So Jesus, his ministry in Capernaum on the west shore of the lake, they sailed across the Sea of Galilee to the east. This is Gentile territory. 
And it says in verse 27, when Jesus stepped ashore, um, so Jesus probably went over there for a retreat to get away, to pray, to rest, and but, oh, here he steps ashore, and he was met by a demon-possessed man from town. So wouldn't you know it, here's, here's a problem immediately when he steps ashore. And here we see in the example of this man what demons want to destroy in your life. First of all, demons seek to destroy your modesty. For a long time, it says in verse 27, this man had not worn clothes. So he was naked, running around naked. And he'd been that way for a long time. Now that tells me he wasn't always living naked. He used to wear clothes, but for a long time he had been naked. Demons had robbed him of modesty. See, you all have clothes on today. That's very natural for you. God's put within us a sense of modesty. Since the Garden of Eden, when God made skins to cover Adam and Eve, to hide them after the fall, in the nature of the fall is God's given us a sense of modesty. But demons want to destroy that in your life. I'm not saying that every person who dresses immodestly is demon-possessed, but I am saying that when you dress immodestly, you are playing into the hands of the devil who wants to rob you of decency and modesty. He seeks to destroy that in your life. Second, demons seek to destroy your relationships. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house. So that means he used to live in a house, but he doesn't now. It says he had, for now, he had lived in the tombs. So it's destroyed this man's home life. He used to live in a house, but now he doesn't. He lives in a cemetery. He lives in tombs, empty tombs in the rocks. And he gets shelter there, and, and his social relationships are all gone. Can't live in town or at home. I don't know if this man was married and this has destroyed his marriage. I know that the will of demons is to destroy relationships. And you need to recognize if you're having problems in your marriage, that that is the will of the demonic to destroy, to disrupt that. And so if you've become adversaries or competitors more than a team, understand that there is a force in your life seeking to tear your marriage apart. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and this man's relationships were destroyed. He wants to destroy that in your life. Recognize that that's the force pulling you apart. He does it in friendships. He does it in church relationships. And so it will be that you uh, come to church, and maybe you go to a connection group, which is really what you need to do. That's the path to, to disciple-making and growth in our church. Get to know people and get share your life. But when you do that, it may be that somebody in that group says something that hurts your feelings, and the devil, the demonic, is going to use that to say, I'm not going back there. They've hurt my feelings. She, should, she said that to me. And, I, and so you see he's going to pull apart those friendships, relationships. That is the, I want you to recognize that's the work of the demonic, to destroy relationships with your children, with your in-laws, Whatever it may be. Let's go to Mark's, let me flip to Mark's account for a moment to see some more details. And the devil, the demonic, seek to destroy your self-control. 
In Mark 5, verse 3, it says this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet and no one was strong enough to subdue him. So this man was out of control. He couldn't control himself. Others tried to control him by chaining him and he just went berserk and broke the chains with his superhuman demonic strength and, and he had chains rattling loose on him and no one could chain him. God works to bring self-control in your life and you understand when your anger gets out of control or when your lust gets out of control, you're playing into the hands of demonic forces in your life who want to, to speed that up, who want to accelerate that, who want you to lose control. This is the extreme picture of the end game of what the devil wants to do in your life by destroying any self-control. Don't play into the hands of that. And then the devil, the demons seek to destroy your peace of mind. Your mind, it says in verse 5, night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out or scream so he didn't sleep well at night and in day. Ah! They could hear these screams echoing through the tombs. Ah! And he had that reputation and he, he's, he's unhinged. He's lost his mind and he's lost his happiness and his peace. And the devil seeks to destroy your peace of mind. Sleep's a gift of God. Maybe you lie awake and you don't sleep, and he wants to destroy that. Maybe you worry about things, and that's the work of the demonic in your life to destroy your peace of mind. And then he seeks to destroy your body. The last phrase of verse 5 says, and he cut himself with stones. So physically, the demons were causing injury to their host. There's a phenomenon in our culture today where young people are cutting themselves, especially young teenage girls, sometimes boys, but especially girls. I've talked to, to several p kids in our church. I'm sure Tim has talked to, to many more than I have. I don't fully understand that why they want to inflict harm on themselves. Maybe it's control, maybe it's anger, maybe it's frustration, dissatisfaction with who they are. I don't know. I'm not saying that every young girl who cuts herself is demon-possessed, but I am saying that when you injure yourself in this kind of way, you're playing into the hands of the will of the demonic in your life, and there is a factor in our world that is going to encourage that because the will of the demonic is for you to destroy yourself physically, and we're seeing that here. He may do it through drugs and alcohol. What a plague on our society. Drugs and the abuse of alcohol is, and the devil uses that to destroy people physically, we, as well as mentally in other ways. We have a group of men and women who are meeting at our church on Wednesday night right now, members of our church, whose lives have been impacted by those things, and they're seeking strength in one another and overcoming that. If you are like that or you know of somebody, you can join that, that group on Wednesday at 6.30 that just meets to study Scripture and support one another because they've experienced the destructive power of the demonic in their lives. Well, let's just... Uh, review that list for one moment just want you to see 
Here's what the demons seek to destroy in your life, to destroy your modesty, your relationships, your self-control, your mind, and your body. Do you see the work of the demonic in this extreme example? Mark 5, verse 6, it says, When this man saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. So notice that even this demonic man kneels before Jesus. Do you know that one day every knee is going to bow? Every tongue is going to confess Jesus is Lord? Even the demons are going to kneel? They're not going to be saved, but demons recognize who he is. And he knelt before Jesus and he shouted at the top of his voice, verse 7, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And he recognizes Jesus and begs for mercy. In verse 9, Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. So the word Legion means many. This man had many demons within him. A Roman legion was 6,000 soldiers. I don't know if that means there were 6,000 literally demons in this man. They're going to go into, in a few moments, 2,000 pigs. Maybe there were 2,000 of them. But here we have certainly a man possessed by multiple demons. So we learn that more than one demon can possess a person. The Bible tells us in another place that Mary Magdalene, who was a follower of Jesus, he cast seven demons out of her and made her whole, and he followed him. So this man has probably many more than that, perhaps thousands of demons within him. It says in verse um, 10, he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. So he knows he's resigned now that Jesus is going to cast these demons out of him. And he said, don't send us out of the area. Luke's gospel says, don't send us to the abyss. The word abyss used only there and in the book of Revelation means a bottomless pit, abyss, bottom, abyss, bottomless pit. And in Revelation, it is the place where demons are held and they'll be They'll come out of the abyss at the end time. So I think, and I'm not sure about this, my understanding of Scripture is that some demons are held now, not all demons are loose upon the earth, and that according to Revelation in the end time, that some of these demons will be released from the abyss in the final conflict of good and evil. And this demon is saying, don't send me to that prison of the abyss. I know you're going to cast us out of this man. Don't send us to the, out of the area or to the abyss. It says in verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. Remember, they're in Gentile territory on the east side of the, of the Sea of Galilee. Jews, or at least observant Jews, would not keep pigs forbidden in the uh, Old Testament law. But these Gentiles have a herd of pigs. And the demons, verse 12, begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. So uh, if, if he's going to cast them out of the man, they want to go into something else to destroy it. They want to go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission. I'm not sure why. I'll talk about it in just a moment. He gave them permission. He's in control, though. You see that? They can't just go. Jesus has authority over evil. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. And the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and were drowned. So Jesus, a strange story, Jesus allows the, the demons who come out of the man to go into the pigs. 
they accomplish the will in the pigs that they can't do in the man. What do they come for? Steal, kill, and destroy. They're going to destroy something. They want to be inhabited in something. They go into these pigs, and they accomplish their will there in destroying them by drowning the pigs into the lake, driving them off a cliff. I want to stop from this story for a moment and just go to another little passage in Luke that may help us to understand that a little bit. In Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through 26, Jesus says this, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. And when it arrives, the house being the, the, the life of the individual, the home of the uh, demon that it's left, when it arrives back there, it finds the house swept clean and put in order, and it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. So this passage says that when demons leave a person, they want to go somewhere else, right? And maybe the reason that Jesus let these demons go into the pigs is so they don't go into someone else because that's their their desire I don't know that but I'm surmising but what we do know from this passage Jesus is saying neutrality is impossible and it's a dangerous thing so he's saying when a demon leaves a person if you're just empty you are a inviting target to even more demons so maybe you think oh I don't know if I believe in God I don't know if I believe in God. I'm just sort of neutral this passage says neutrality is a very dangerous thing. Emptiness in your life is a very dangerous thing because if you're empty, it says, you are an invitation to even worse trouble to come into your life. Maybe that helps us to understand something of why Jesus gave permission to these uh, demons to go into these, these pigs. Well, back in Luke's account, verse 8, Chapter 8, verse 34, when those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. So the pig farmers lost their pigs. They go into town. You won't believe what happens. You know the guy out there in the tombs who's screaming all the time, run around naked that we can't chain. Something's happened to him. This man who's cast the demons out that went into our pigs, he said, the pigs ran off into the sea. you got to come see this. So everybody comes out of town to see this. Verse 35, the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out. And here's what I want you to see of what Jesus can restore in your life. First of all, Jesus can restore your self-control. The first description of him, he's sitting sitting this man hadn't been sitting he's been running around wild in the tombs and they can't chain him down and now he's he's calm and he's sitting he's under control he's sitting you see Jesus can restore your self-control you have problems with anger outbursts you have problems with lust you have problems with 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 uh, uh, with, with drinking or other impulsive behaviors you know the fruit of the spirit is self-control that's what the Bible says when you believe in Jesus, His Holy Spirit comes into your life and He can begin the process of enabling you to be under control because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And already in this man's life, when Jesus comes into his life and the demons are gone, he's sitting. Jesus can restore your self-control. Secondly, Jesus can restore your relationships. He's sitting at Jesus' feet. He's in relationship to Jesus now. That's a position of learning. He's sitting there. He's listening to Jesus teach. 
and the relationships that had all been broken now, Jesus has restored him to a relational person who's relating to Jesus. He can restore your relationships. If you're having problems in your marriage, why don't you just ask Jesus for help? Why don't you call out to him right now? If you're having problems in relationships with your family or, or in some other area, why don't you ask Jesus for help? Because he restores relationships that the devil destroys. And then he, destro- he restores modesty. The next word is, this man is sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed. He's got clothes on now. Jesus has made a change in his life, and now he's dressed. And Jesus can restore to you a self-image and a self-worth and a sense of modesty of of how you view yourself. And then Jesus can restore your mind. He's sitting at Jesus' feet. He's dressed and in his right mind. And Jesus has brought wholeness to his thoughts. And the power of Jesus can restore your peace of mind and your happiness that Satan's demons have robbed you of. Could we just look at that list one more time? Here's what Jesus can do in your life. Are you struggling in any of these areas? Has the devil robbed you of some of this? Jesus restores! Why don't you call out to him about these things right now? Jesus, I need to sleep. I, I'm worried too much. I need peace of mind. Jesus, I, I, I need self-control. Why don't you call out to him right now? It says in verse uh, 37, that following that Jesus can give you something you've not had before, he can give you a purpose in life. Jesus not only restored to this man what he'd lost, but Jesus gave to him something he hadn't ever had, and a purpose, and that's what he can give you. If your life is purposeless, Jesus can give you that purpose. Let me read to you verse 37 and following. It says, Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got in the boat and left. These people who came out from town, they saw this. They were afraid. They said, Get out of here. I don't know why they were afraid. They were afraid they're going to lose more money. They lost their pigs if Jesus stays around. I don't know if they're afraid, just overcome by his power. But they don't want him there. And so Jesus gets in the boat to leave. But before he leaves, the, verse 38, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This man wanted to get in the boat with Jesus and go back, and Jesus wouldn't let him. You see, Jesus did not need this Gentile going back to Israel, where he was primarily, his mission was to the lost sheep of Israel. The time for the Gentiles had not yet come. It would at his great commission. But this man had a unique sphere of influence on that side of the lake. He was a Gentile among Gentiles. There were ten cities there called the Decapolis. And Jesus saying, you go and be a missionary in these ten cities because you're uniquely qualified there. And so he began to go, he went home and told everybody what a difference Jesus had made in his life. You're uniquely qualified to do something for Jesus. You're in an area, you work at a place, you're in a family, you're in a neighborhood. That nobody else is, is exactly where you are. 
And Jesus has a purpose for you, a mission for you, where you are that's unique and that you can fulfill. And he calls you to follow him there. He may call you to go somewhere else, as he did many of his disciples. He may call you where you are to fulfill your unique purpose. But he gives a purpose to life, a mission that will fulfill you, serving him where he's placed you. Demons destroy. Don't be fooled. The devil is never going to bless you when you give in to temptation. Demons destroy. But Jesus is greater than the demonic. And Jesus restores. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord Jesus, we pray you would do in this room now what you did on the eastern shore of Galilee that day. Restore, oh God, if there are marriages that are hurting and someone cries out to you, oh God, help them to begin to rebuild or remit. If there are friendships that are broken, if their lives are out of control, if there are people who are harming their bodies with substance or with practices or whatever it may be, oh God, as we cry out to you right now, restore us. We've gotten out of control in some areas, Lord, and we realize now we're just feeding into the devil's will for us. And, oh, God, we want you who can give us the fruit of self-control. God, we've, we've, we've not been sleeping. We're agitated and worried, and we need you to give us that right perspective on life. Restore our peace of mind. Oh, God, oh, Lord Jesus, would you do this work of restoration in our lives? And may we, like this man, become your follower with a new purpose in life. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Stand together with me, if you will. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you want to be like this man and follow Jesus, then I want to invite you to walk forward as we sing. Meet me here at the front, a way of indicating publicly, I'm a follower of Jesus. This man was really willing to go with him, willing to stay. Why don't you be willing to come and follow him? Maybe you need a church home at our 830 service. A family came united with our church. Maybe you need a church home. Why don't you walk down one of these aisles and, and, and present yourself and be a part of this church family. Maybe you got something in your life that you want somebody to pray with you about. We'd be honored to pray with you. Somebody will be here to pray with you as you seek the restoration work of Jesus in your life. This is your time to respond to the Spirit of God in your life as He calls you. Let's sing together. Everyone needs compassion, love that never fails. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness. The hope of nations. Savior, we can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave.
Take me as you find me, all my fears and failures, fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I Thank you. You can be seated again. We give now our offerings to worship God. And if you have a guest card, you can also place that in the offering plate. And guests, thank you for being here. I'll be at the Welcome Center on the way out toward guest parking after this service. I'd love to meet you. Have a small gift for first-time guests. We're so glad you've been here. Thanks for coming today. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this time. We can come together in your house, Lord, study your word, and uh, just take away this uh, lesson, Lord, just uh, to resist that evil in our lives, Lord, and to, to put you fully in charge of everything that we do, Father. Uh, we pray for these tithes and offerings, that they would be to the furtherance of your kingdom. We can pray in your holy name.
Hey, today we want to wear, welcome Sarah Anderson into our church membership. Sarah, you want to stand by me for a moment? Uh, many of you know Sarah because she serves as our worship intern doing music for uh, Radius and for uh, Wednesday night youth uh, services. We don't require interns to be members because it's a limited duration kind of, of thing. But Sarah wants to come be a part of our church family by statement of her faith and baptisms. We're so glad and so proud of her. Uh, Josh Hutt's a deacon for the connection group she's a part of. Josh, would you come and uh, stand with her and Lizzie? You can come stand with her. Lizzie and Josh lead this class, and Josh is the deacon for that, and we're glad she's connected there. Would you welcome her into our church? Would you lift your hand and say amen? Amen. We're glad you're here. God bless you. When you're done hugging, you can be seated for a minute. You take your time. I'm in no hurry. Where's Jake? He's already there, ready to go. Hey, if you're a first-time guest with us and you'd like to get to know Dr. Cox a little bit better, stop by the Welcome Center. He'll be there. He's got a small gift for you, and he'd love to get to know you, uh, know your name, and, and say hello. So stop by and say hello to him. I want to turn your attention real quick to the blue sheet that is in your worship guide. This is our volunteer interest survey. So we do this every year. We believe as a church that every member should be serving with their gifts to King Jesus. And so this is a part of being a part of the body of Christ. So we believe this is true of every member. So you see here just different ways that you can serve in teaching and then other serving ways. And so here's the thing. Just because you fill this out doesn't mean you're committing to anything just yet. You're just showing that you're interested in these things. A member of our nominating committee will contact you and we'll talk out what this means and what would be expected of you. We do want to get this back from you, though, by March 15th. So you've got a little time to pray and then get this back in. Uh, there's different receptacles, or you can get it into Cindy's office by the 15th. By filling this out, though, the work or the position doesn't open up until August 1st at the start of our church year. So you've got a little bit of time to learn and to get prepared and all the things that you might need. So if you have any other questions about this, stop by the Welcome Center. There'll be people there who can help you with that. With that being... Can I say a word on just about that? Because it's funny how many people I've met over, my year, over the years that have said, when I hear this statement, people go, I... I don't get anything out of my church. And I'll say, well, well, what are you involved in in your church? And nine times out of ten, they'll say, nothing. I just go on Sundays. And I, well, there's a reason why you're not getting anything. You know, It's like having a gym membership and not going and going, well, I don't get anything out of my gym. Well, do you go? You know, do you go? So, uh, yeah, find something that, that is a blessing. It's, a, it's a, a gift of yours. And get involved in that place, and you'll find that, what you receive will equal what you give. So, yeah, so that's my word for you. Amen. That's a good word. Also, going to the gym tomorrow morning It's a good word, too. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, you are so good to us. God, I thank you for Sarah. God, I thank you for bringing her to our church. I thank you for the blessing that she has been to our church and her worship ministry. God, continue to use her here. God, I thank you for every person here this morning. Bless them, keep them, and help them this week as they live out their mission here in Coffee County in Manchester. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.